If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown. Today is my first show here at Owl Radio in about two years. It's an absolute joy to be back here with you guys, and today we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. We're going to get into the FAU and Air Force game, the previous week of college football, previewing the next week. We're going to do the same thing for the NFL, and then we're going to get into Major League Baseball at the end. Also, I'm recording this after the show ended, so if you don't hear Jacob Kelly that well, who I asked a few questions to throughout the show, that's because I recorded the audio for this show through my laptop and not through the radio feed. I tried my best to make his voice sound as loud as possible, but I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. The pod starts in the middle of me talking about FAU and Air Force. I hope you guys enjoy the pod. And for all my supporters that stayed with me during the hiatus of being on Owl Radio and listened to all of the podcasts, I genuinely want to thank you. It means a ton to get those consistent listeners and to know that people really care about what I'm doing. So, Enjoy the show today, and here we go. Sorry about that. There was a little technical difficulty there, but I saw a lot of people talking about this on FAU Twitter, which was when this game was originally scheduled for FAU years back, a lot of people were questioning it because when you go out to Air Force, you're basically forcing your defense to learn a completely different style of offense for just one week. The Mountain West Conference, Air Force, totally different than Conference USA, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, all of it. It's totally different. So when FAU's going out there, they're, they're, number one, it's a cross-country trip. Number two, it's a completely different offense. And so what did FAU struggle with during this game? They could not handle the triple option. For Air Force, Hazeek Daniels, their quarterback, 167 rushing yards for two touchdowns. One of their other running backs, Micah Davis, 93 yards for a touchdown. And then Roberts, 77 yards and a touchdown. They walked over FAU the entire game with that rushing offense. And you might ask yourself, did they only rush? Yeah, they only rushed. They had four passing attempts the entire game. So it was literally a running offense versus FAU's defense. And coming out of that UF game week one, that was the main concern for FAU. It was they can't defend the run. Then you go, you win your week two, you win your week three, two games you should win, one against an FCS, one against Georgia Southern, which me and Zach Weinberg called that game. And again, rushing was still a concern because Georgia Southern, you were able to deal with it because Georgia Southern's defense isn't good. They were coming to your house. They're not as good and as efficient offensively as Air Force is with that triple offense. FAU was able to get away with it against Georgia Southern. They were able to get away with it against Fordham, their, their FCS. But now you're going cross country to face Air Force and you give up 446 rushing yards. That's a problem for FAU. So. Going into this game against FIU, which, by the way, Jacob Kelly, welcome to the show, my friend. Right? Yeah, Jacob Kelly. So he's going to be calling this FIU game this Saturday at 3.30, and we don't know who he's going to be announcing with, but he will be calling, making his FAU debut. Um, but, yeah, listen, FAU's got to – I don't want to say this, but the line's minus 10.5 for FAU. 
for FAU. They got to blow the bricks off of FIU this weekend. Bottom line, because that performing against Air Force was such a betrayal for FAU based on everything else they've done. Also during this game, and Kosi Perry, only 78 yards passing, and he threw his first pick of the year. He also had seven rushes, 53 yards, and a touchdown. But your quarterback not even getting 100 yards passing in this game, that's a big problem for FAU. And uh, listen, I don't want to put it all on Nkosi Perry. I'm not that guy that's going to say, you know, when the team's struggling the way they were, FAU's offensive line wasn't great, everything like that. I don't like putting everything on the quarterback, but Willie Taggart had some comments about Nkosi Perry. And uh, I'm trying to pull up the quote here. And he was talking, yeah. So he, so in Willie Taggart's quote, he says, you know we got guys open and we're trying to do too much because we were behind rather than just run the plays and do it exactly the way we're supposed to. Quote, here's another quote. I thought Nkosi was off all night long. He was off throwing the ball. He was off on these reads. And that's the results you get when we're not on point. First of all, at the QB position, and then we're not doing a good job up front. It's a collective loss. Nkosi, the receivers, the O-line, coaches, players, we all lost this game. So at least there's ownership there for FAU, a game that probably should never have been scheduled, a game that they got blown out in. Let's just put this behind us, go to FIU, blow the bricks off them at home, Shula Bowl, let's do this, coming up this Saturday. So let's move on to the rest of college football. And if you woke up on Sunday and you looked at these college football rankings and you look one through 10 and you see, whoa, Clemson Tigers are not there. And this is for the first time in a long time. Clemson ranked at number 25 after their loss to NC State. We'll get to that in a second. But right now, this top four, you have Alabama at one, Georgia two, Oregon three, Penn State four, Iowa five, Oklahoma six. And to me, quite frankly, that's essentially going to be the six that we're going to be talking about for the rest of the year. You could throw in Ohio State. You know, if Penn State throws up another loss, then Ohio State's right back in the game. Uh, if Iowa puts up a loss, we'll see. But I think generally this group of six, maybe seven, if you include Ohio State, those are the teams we're going to be talking about for the rest of the year. A&M, they're going to be kind of in it. They'll get their game against Bama. You know, you're going to have Arkansas basically for one week in the limelight. You're going to be talking about them for a little bit. But for the most part, it's going to be these teams. But let's talk about the games from Saturday. So Clemson lost to NC State. They fell to 2-2. Two and two. They lost 27-21 in double overtime. This is their first loss versus an unranked team in 36 games, which is tied for the longest streak in college football history. And this is only their fourth ACC loss since the start of 2015. Clemson also had their close win versus Georgia Tech. So this entire year has been a struggle for Clemson. They lost to Georgia Week 1. They lose this game to NC State, and they struggle versus Georgia Tech. So that's three out of four games where you could say, hey, they could be one and three right now. This is not the same Clemson team. And I like seeing Dabo Sweeney whine on the sidelines. That's my favorite part of this whole thing. So DJU, I'm not going to try and pronounce this last name. Not going to do it, okay? But DJU finished the Clemson game with just 111 yards, 12 of 24 passing with two touchdowns, one interception. You're not going to win like that. Clemson only had 214 yards of total offense. NC State had 386. So even this Clemson defense is not what it was. And this is NC State's first top 10 win since 2012. So I look at Clemson. It's just great to see for me. Every single year you see Clemson, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Clemson, blah, blah, blah. Every year it's Clemson. Finally, they're out of it. I've said all year to my friends and techs, I want something new, something else to talk about. Other teams in here, 
I love seeing Penn State. I love seeing Iowa. Hopefully for the rest of the year, they're going to be in this race. Teams like Oregon in the top four right now. I'm done seeing Oklahoma. I'm done seeing Ohio State. I'm done seeing Clemson. Give me something new. Because at the end of the day, all these teams end up losing to Alabama anyway. So I'd rather see variance in these playoff matchups at this point. But I don't want to slam on Clemson too hard. They also have some things going against them. They have a lot of injuries on their offensive line. That was before the season even started. They had a couple of offensive line injuries. Left the group thin. Tyler Davis missing seven to eight weeks. So they have some guy, right? Brian Breesey left the game. James Skalski, they both left the game during the NC State game. So there are problems uh, with Clemson injury-wise where, and again, of course, Trevor Lawrence leaving the program, Travis Etienne, that was your offense for the last few years. So you're losing your core offensive players, your offensive line's banged up, you have guys getting injured during the game. I'm not trying to throw this all out the window for Clemson and say it's not their fault, but it's certainly, you're starting to see the decline in their program, and it's, uh, again, satisfying to see. So another team that almost pretty much ruined their season on Saturday are the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, they almost lost to West Virginia. They didn't lead for any period of time during that game until the end when they kicked that game-winning field goal. Spencer, excuse me, Spencer Rattler, 26 for 36, 256 yards, a touchdown and a pick. And he's a guy, listen, during that game, what did we hear? Those we want Caleb chants. And listen, uh, I think that's a little bit of Oklahoma fans being spoiled because every year with Lincoln Riley, they've had a stud at quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. Uh, every year they've got somebody, and now Spencer Rattler comes in, and he only has 10 incompletions and a pick, and Oklahoma's ready and saying, get him out of here. Okay, give him time, okay? Stop freaking screaming over there, Oklahoma. Um, but Oklahoma, they fall to number six after barely beating West Virginia. They've struggled throughout the season. They might be undefeated, but they've struggled to win their games. Uh, some other minor games that happened throughout the week that don't really need to be talked about a lot because they were kind of expected. Penn State beat Villanova 38-17. to Iowa, uh, Adiel's Iowa beat Colorado State 24-14, and Notre Dame beat Wisconsin at Soldier Field 41-13. So now another game that was really important this weekend, Arkansas and Texas A&M. And I gotta be honest, I love the upsets, but this game kind of upset me a little bit because I don't think Arkansas, again, this week they're facing Georgia, then they get Bama, they're done before this game even starts. They're not gonna be contending for SEC anything. They're gonna have their two losses, in two weeks, and everyone's going to forget about Arkansas. I think A&M would have been the team, for me at least personally, that I would have wanted to see go undefeated and go play Bama, because I feel like they had the best chance to at least keep it competitive against them. But Arkansas is going to go in, they're going to lose to Georgia this week, and they're going to lose to Bama after that. And basically, it's Bama-Georgia and the SEC, and we already know, going into week five, week six, this is what it's going to be in the SEC, because Florida already has their loss, LSU's done. It's basically Bama, Georgia. That's it. So Arkansas winning this game, it's great to see a program like that win a big game. Don't get me wrong. But basically it cements the SEC for the rest of the year because there is no way that Arkansas is going to go in and beat Georgia and beat Bama. But it was a nice win, and we'll talk about it. K.J. Jefferson, his completion percentage may not have been the best, but his completions, he only had seven of them for 212 yards. And Traylon Burks at wide receiver, 167 of those 212 yards went to him at receiver, and he had a touchdown. And then Traylon Smith, 17 carries, 82 yards of running back. Texas A&M really struggled. 
Couldn't get anything going offensively. C.J. Spiller, at least, a running back, 12 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. But AM couldn't get much going on offense. Arkansas really couldn't either. But the only difference, really, in this game was the big play. And, and K.J. Jefferson had those with Traylon Burks, and that was the game. So good win for Arkansas, and uh, we're moving on. Now we're moving on to Baylor and Iowa State. Let me tell you, man, Iowa State has been blowing this season. Brock Purdy... They thought, oh, this is going to be his season. This is the guy. And they lose to Baylor. They lost to Iowa. Um, so, And listen, this is a game that Iowa State, you could argue, maybe they should have won this game. Iowa State had more yards than Baylor. Um, they beat them 216 to 118 on the ground and 263 to 164 in the air. This is a game that Iowa State should, should have pretty much won. Brock Purdy, 22 for 33, 263 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Then we move on to Michigan State. And this is a game maybe not that important, but Michigan State's 4-0. Uh, my best friend, Tyler, he's a uh, Michigan State fan, was in the car with him this morning. And uh, we're talking about this game, and he's like, listen, it's nice, but one, we barely won this game. And two, he thinks, and he's a very pessimistic guy. He's a Bucks fan, too, and all throughout the playoffs he was pessimistic with them. This is just his mind style. But, hey, he said, I see three, four losses coming to Michigan State for the rest of the year. I'm like, man, enjoy your 4-0. Root for your team. But you know what? He's probably right, right? You get Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. You're going to lose your games. You get Indiana on the road, Purdue. They're going to drop some of those games. But it's nice to see Michigan State, man. I've always loved them growing up. They're a team. They preach consistency. They preach defensive football. They preach gritty football. I love the way Michigan State plays football. So whenever I see them win games, I love it. But Nebraska should have won, flat out. Adrian Martinez played his butt off. He does it three times a year, and usually against Michigan State. He was 24 for 34, 251 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, and really, what lost them the game? His one mistake, that pick at the end of the game. And Michigan State, again, they should not have won this game. The only reason they got into OT to put themselves in the position to win in the first place was Jalen Reed's punt return because in the second half, Michigan State had five total yards of offense. Not good. Uh, so Michigan State really should have lost that game. So as we go in to this next week, there's actually a lot of big games. You have Iowa ranked at number five going into 4-0 Maryland on the road. Like I said, Arkansas and Georgia, number eight versus number two, facing each other this weekend. You have the Cincinnati at Notre Dame game this weekend. And this is interesting because Cincinnati's ranked at number seven. Notre Dame at nine, excuse me, and the line is favoring Cincinnati. So this is a big deal for Cincinnati if they go in after they're basically already confirmed for the Big 12 and get their first huge win going on the road to South Bend. Then we have Ole Miss and Bama, number 12 overall. Ole Miss, listen, Bama's going to win. It's going to be entertaining, maybe. Bama's going to win. You have Oregon-Stanford. Oregon's going to win. Oklahoma at K-State. The only reason I, I highlighted this game, listen, K-State, while they may have lost last week to Oklahoma State, they were ranked going in. Oklahoma struggles against West Virginia, who wasn't ranked at all. Pump the brakes, okay? Oklahoma's got to go on the road here. This might be a close game. Uh, then we have Baylor at Oklahoma State. That's big for Big 12 purposes. And then we have Indiana at Penn State, Auburn, LSU. So some good games in college this weekend. And I'll bring you in for your first second, Jacob. What did you see in this college football weekend uh, that surprised you the most?
not given the amount of time that you would normally see. And a lot of us, I think, took that for granted. Now, DJ Uyilele, I think I pronounced that right. I'm not trying it. <laughs> yep, he hasn't, he hasn't came in and lived up to where he came out of this. And also, they haven't been established to run. He, he, he led the team in rushing yards, did the development of the pass. So I think we could have seen this coming. So it's really a surprise to me that they're still ranked. I don't, I don't understand how they, per they perform very poorly, even in their wins, and they're still ranked. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't get it. It's it's this uh, you know this Clemson preferential treatment stuff, where it's up oh, Dabo and look what they've done and look. I thought that wasn't supposed to be the case in college football. I thought it was all about what you do this year. The committee's always like, you can't have your losses, you can't have this, you can't have that, and now all of a sudden we get this special treatment for Clemson. No, absolutely. That, that's definitely what they're missing. And uh, I don't know if they have any quarter. I didn't look it up, but I don't think they have any quarterbacks like directly in line. But they got to get that back because, really, if you think about it, Deshaun Watson went right into Trevor. And who knows? What if Trevor was never there? Would this have happened, do you think, three years ago to Clemson? It easily could be. They haven't been able to keep up the likes of Ohio State in terms of understanding where, where their holes are. Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia even now. They've been able to establish where they're losing the draft and go out and still get these top talents in uh, you know, getting from straight from high school. And they're still getting the numbers. They're still having high uh, recruiting classes, but these players aren't coming in and performance the like that they need. So is it a is it a coaching issue? Is it a recruiting issue? Because if you're two and two to start the year, your hopes of the national championship are already gone. The teams that they've lost to, Georgia being really nice with this last week against NC State, they're gone. We've never seen a two who lost team in the playoff, let alone in the national championship. So, like you said earlier, you're happy to see some some new blood, some fresh blood. Hopefully, Penn State. Hopefully, I was really happy to see Oregon beat Ohio State. Yes, Oregon's a team that they should not lose for the rest of their regular season. If they lose the Pac-12 championship, that would still be a shame. But they should make this the top four. We have teams like Penn State that, if they can beat Penn State, or if Penn State can beat Ohio State, should make it the top four. Now, unfortunately, as you previously said. This is all to eventually be, uh, be beaten by Alabama, but Alabama looked shaky last week against Florida. If they lose against Georgia, if whoever they lose against to, or whoever they play against in the SEC championship game, they're going to get a tough opponent. The SEC is, you know, now with Texas coming in, with Oklahoma coming in, the SEC conference is getting tougher and tougher. So I, I do remain some hope that Alabama can be beaten. Oh, I hope so. That would, that would make my college football season. You know, I mean, that, that's what you root for every year. And at this point, they're the only team because Ohio State probably not going to be in there. That's the other big hated team because they're there every year. Now it's Bama, and everyone's going to go after them pretty much. So let's move on to the NFL Week 3. I'm going to go over these games uh, for a little bit. So Thursday Night Football last week, you had Carolina going into Houston. And finally, Carolina, they've had such good drafts over the last two, three years, building up a defense, building up personnel, Great head coaching hire with, excuse me, head coaching hire with Matt Rule. You bring in Sam Darnold, very interesting decision after his struggles with the Jets. Um, but now Sam Darnold comes in. He's 23 for 34, 304 yards, two rushing TDs for, versus Houston. He's 2 and 0 before that, and you're like, wait a second. 
maybe it's just the Jets. I don't, I don't know how everyone didn't come to that conclusion before. It's just the Jets. I mean, look at Zach Wilson. But Sam Darnold goes to Carolina, gets all this stuff. DJ Moore, eight receptions, 126 yards, winning on the road in Thursday Night Football. And then CMC's out for three to five weeks. Are you kidding me? I mean, this was it for Carolina. This was the time. And now McCaffrey's out again. I don't even know what to think about them. Um, and we'll, we'll preview their game uh, after I go over these games. But just so disappointing. It's like you're 3-0, you're Carolina. Everything's going way better than anyone thought. You beat the bricks off the Saints, and then boom. You, you even win the game, and then McCaffrey's done. So very disappointing. Oh, well, that too. I mean, and J.C. Horn was such a good pick. I mean, it, man, you know, Carolina, listen, at least you can say that they've drafted well, and they they've have good personnel over the last two years that this looks sustainable and Matt Rule doesn't look like a flop of head coach. Listen, I mean, that's what I would be thinking as a Panthers fan, but playoff hopes now? I mean, you were thinking as a Panther fan maybe, hey, we can do this 3-0, and now maybe not. So we'll see. We'll see how they go in these next few weeks. So we got Bills and Washington football team. And this week, I was telling friends before the game, this is the week where we'll be able to say, okay, we cannot use the, oh, Washington's going to stay in these games because of their elite defense. That's over. Okay, they gave up 29 points to the Giants. They gave up 43 to the Bills. Washington football team, elite defense, I don't want to hear it. It's over. Uh, Josh Allen had 258 yards in the first half. Total for the game, 32 for 43, 358 yards, four TDs, and a rushing touchdown. And they gave up 60 rushing yards to Zach Moss. So this offense, they were running all over the place. And Washington gave up 29 first downs. They were 6-for-15 on defense, stopping third down, and they gave up 481 total yards. They were also 2-for-6 in defending in the red zone. So the Bills were 4-for-6 in the red zone. The defense had zero turnovers. Josh Allen didn't throw a pick. This is ridiculous. I mean, the Washington football team, you go in the year, Chase Young, all these guys, up, 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 and they, they haven't been able to defend for crap for the entire year. So Washington, they're going to be bottom of the barrel in that division, but good for Josh Allen. This was his coming out party this year. First few weeks, you have all these people. Why didn't they sign him? Why did they sign him this big contract? He had this one big year, and now year two. Oh my God, the contract's not paying out. And then he goes in and destroys Washington. So good for him. You look at the Browns Bears. This was ugly for Justin Fields, and I don't blame him. I love Justin Fields. I think he was great at Ohio State, but he was six for 20, 68 yards. This was his problem. He got sacked nine times. Can you blame a rookie for getting sacked nine times? You're going up against Cleveland Browns' defensive line, which might be the best pass rush in the NFL. Jadeveon Clowney, Miles Garrett, all these boys. And you got the Chicago Bears O-line that looks, quite frankly, uh, collegiate. I mean, they got sacked nine times? Are you kidding me? For a rookie quarterback? And everyone's and even myself, I released a Twitter video about this a few weeks ago. Like, why does Zach Wilson get to start? Why does Mac Jones get to start but not Justin Fields? This is why. Period. They didn't want him to go back in there and get murdered. I mean, that, that's what happened to him. So I feel bad for Justin Fields. But Baker Mayfield had a pretty decent game. He wasn't great. And what I've noticed with this Cleveland Browns team is, I get it, it was 26-6, but the Browns play down to competition. They really do. And that scares me a little bit because teams like that, especially in football, when you need to have kind of that motivation to win – that's a little scary for me. So they did it with Houston. They did it with the Bears a little bit where Baker had a good game, but in a game like this, I would have liked to see him throw up two, three touchdowns. He only had one. So 
needed to be a little bit better, especially with Odell. Six receptions, 77 yards. Kareem Hunt had 81 yards on the ground and 74 in the air. Nick Chubb at 84 yards. Baker, what are you doing here? You, you should have thrown more touchdowns in this game. And, you know, listen, Chicago, 47 total yards of offense. Got to work on it, man. Got to work on it. So, Ravens-Lions, my goodness gracious. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the game, but I'll talk about it first for a little bit. Uh, listen, Baltimore shouldn't have won the game. Uh, Lamar, a touchdown and a pick. He was sacked four times. He didn't have his normal 100 yards rushing. Ravens were 1 for 10 on third down. Hollywood Brown, bunch of drop passes. It was infuriating Ravens fans, including uh, Jacob Kellier, whose second team is the Ravens. Second team is the Ravens. I know that sounds terrible, but <laughs> they're my second team. He had two, two drops. Similar number there. Two drops, which could have been touchdowns, which could have made this game a whole lot easier, but it was so easy. We wouldn't have it that great of an ending, would we? No, no. And hey, talk about the Tucker kick. One of those jaw-dropping moments where you're just like, what just happened? And he must love kicking Detroit because back in 2013, 61-yard field goal to win the game, 66-yard. Only weighed one of himself. Yeah, that's right. And, and factor that in, the no wind and the dome and everything like that, it helps. But, dude, I don't even want to tell you. 66 yards? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, uh, back when the Arizona Cardinals attempted a 68-yard field goal, quite the opposite. I was literally, I was just about to say that. Yeah, we got the pick six, excuse me, the kick six game. Uh, thank God Arizona won. Because uh, even Kyler Murray said after the game, he was like, this is a game last year, year before, we would have lost. Um, and he's right, because Arizona, they always, they play well. And, you know, a lot of young football teams, they'll play well three quarters, blow it fourth quarter. Uh, but they were able to come back and win. And it's interesting, because Kyler Murray, he didn't even have a touchdown himself. He was uh, 28 for 34, 316 yards, a pick, no touchdowns, and he only had 19 yards rushing. So for Kyler, this wasn't even one of his best games. And Arizona still scored 31 points. James Conner had his coming out party, 11 carries, 43 yards, and two TDs. I started him in fantasy. I know a lot of people that didn't, and they were pissed off, and I was just sitting there laughing. Uh, Chase Edmonds had 26 yards on the ground, 49 in the air. A.J. Green, good for you, man. 112 yards on five catches. Christian Kirk with 104 yards. And D-Hop, he just took a game off. He's like, you know what? Give it to the, uh, give it to the vet, A.J. Green, today. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, listen... This is my opinion on him, and we can get into like a deeper discussion on this later, but Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to give him too much crap about his picks. Listen, he's on the Jags, and I saw a stat before this game. Trevor and Zach Wilson, their receivers have the most dropped passes in the league. One of Trevor's interceptions on Sunday was a dropped pass. It should have been caught. It deflected right into a Cardinals defender. So even one of the picks on Sunday, you can't give it to Trevor. Um, but he had, what did he have, 219 yards, a touchdown. He was sacked three times. 
Give him time, okay? We're the, this is a guy you can't expect him to walk into Jacksonville with a rookie NFL head coach in Urban Meyer and with their personnel that's still developing as a group and expect them to win. I kind of look at them as like Carolina from two years ago. Give them two years, a year, then let's see what they can do. But James Robinson at his first game of the year, that was good to see. He had 88 yards and a touchdown on the ground and, and uh, 46 in the air, so good for him. And I'm going to start going through these games just a little bit faster here. Um, so we had Titans Colts 25 to 16, man, and I will eat it here. If there's anyone listening that talks to me on a regular basis, I will eat it. I have been sticking up for Carson Wentz for two years, three years, saying he's still got something in the tank. Nope, it's over. Colts are going to be, I mean, they're 0-3 right now. They're in danger of being 0-4, uh, losing to Percet possibly maybe to Miami uh, this week, but uh, Wentz doesn't have it, man. They were three for twelve on third down. Tennessee can score. They're two and one. Teams that are zero and three don't make the playoffs. It's over. Sorry. Uh, sad for the Colts. Because listen, I, I respect the hell out of what Chris Ballard does, building up that team. Frank Reich, you have everything right. Offensive line, perfect. But Quentin Nelson's injured. Running game, you have three of them. Wide receivers, you have depth. Defense, linebackers are perfect. The safeties, you got them. They can't put it all together because of what? The quarterback. So it's a shame to see uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. So Chargers-Chiefs, man, this was an amazing game. Chargers went on the road to Kansas City. They win 30-24. to And the Kansas City Chiefs are in last place in the AFC West. I'm sure you heard that before I just said it, but just it's great to see out loud. Uh, Herbert, 26 for 38, 281 yards, four TDs, zero picks, and he was only sacked once. Then Austin Eckler. He had 55 yards on the ground, 52 in the air, so 100 total yards of contributions from Eckler. And he also had a touchdown as well. Keenan Allen had eight receptions, 50 yards and a touchdown. And how about Mike Williams, 122 yards and two TDs. So this Charger offense, and I wish I had this show that started before the year because I was telling people, do not sit on the Chargers. They have been well-built and have had one of the best total rosters in the NFL for years, much like the Colts. Things always get in the way. This is the year. Derwin James is back. Joey Bose is back. Everyone's healthy. New head coach, Justin Herbert, year two. And now you can look at it and say, this is time for the Chargers. And hey, they're producing. And what won them the game? Patrick Mahomes threw two picks. Now, one of them I can't blame on Patrick because it was that no-look pass where the receiver in and out of the hands But one of those picks, that last one, completely his fault. I'm sorry. And they had two other turnovers. That's what lost them the game. Because the Chiefs had 33 first downs. The Chargers had 21. The Chiefs were 6 for 10 on third down. The Chargers were 4 for 11. The Chiefs had 437 yards. The Chargers had 352. So the Chiefs beat them really everywhere except for turnovers. And that's what happens, man. Even the Chiefs can lose when you turn the ball over. And so now we have a lot of drama, and that AFC West is going to be a lot of fun. Saints-Patriots, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Jameis played nice. Uh, Still isn't getting a lot of passing yards, but he's getting pretty damn lucky. That pass uh, where he just flung it up in the air. Uh, Me and Jake were talking about that before the game. Kamara, after the week where he had virtually zero rushing yards, came out this week, 89 yards. Uh, But Mac Jones struggled, three picks. But they had him throw 50 times. If you're, if you're telling a rookie to throw 50 times and then he throws three picks, you can't be mad at him. I'm sorry. The running game was completely shut down for New England. Falcons-Giants, 
I am spending zero time on this game because if I do, I'm a Giants fan and I might throw the microphone that I'm speaking into through this window. I'm not going to talk about this game. Okay, Bengals-Steelers. This game I can laugh at. Okay, Bengals beat the Steelers 24-10. to Big Ben's done. Um, listen, me and Jacob were talking about this before the game. How did Big Ben, even if you think, if you're, you know, you're big enough ego, you're a Super Bowl champion, all this stuff, future Hall of Famer, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I still got it. But you can't possibly look at your team and say, you've still got it. He, he could not have thought that he could have went in this year and won a Super Bowl. Obviously, he's delusional if he thought he himself had a Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. He might have thought himself that he had it in the tank, but his team doesn't, and he clearly doesn't. The Steelers are done. I mean, listen to this. They had 11 more minutes of possession. They had over 30 more plays on offense than Cincinnati, and they lost this game. I don't know how that happens. They had over 100 more total yards than Cincinnati on offense. They had two. They had one more t- turnover. Uh, both teams had 10 penalties. And somehow Cincinnati comes away with the win. Why? Once again, turnovers. That's what it is. And so that's what happened. Big Ben sacked four times. He can't get out of the pocket. Um, and, and again, Jacob, we'll talk about these games after I, I review all of them. Uh, we talked about Arizona. Not going to uh, touch the Jet game. We all knew that was going to happen. Uh, I will get to the Raiders-Dolphins in a little bit. Uh, Vikings-Seahawks. Going to spend a little bit of time on this. All I'll say is this. Seattle, they might be done right now because of, of the division that they're in. Um, they're 1-2, and two, and you've got San Francisco, Arizona Rams. They might be done now uh, unless, excuse me, they go in to some of these head-to-head matchups and win them. They might be done. I like what Minnesota's doing, especially in this division, because nobody's out in terms of second place to compete with the Packers. The Vikings might be 1-2, and two, but they've been scoring points. Uh, they've had that offense on uh, on check. Even without Dalvin Cook, uh, guys were producing. I mean, you have Madison coming in, filling in with over 100 yards rushing uh, with Dalvin Cook out with injury. So good for uh, Minnesota there. Packers 49ers Sunday night. Packers won. Good for them. Um, again, even Arizona. You could look at them and say, are they in a hole? Uh, excuse me. You could look at San Francisco and say, are they in a hole at two and one? Now somebody's going to lose in that NFC. What? No one's going to go undefeated, but especially because this week the Rams and Cardinals face. So one of them's coming out with an L. But these games in that NFC West, they're huge because you lose one game. It's almost like college football. Your season might be over. There's so many good teams out in that division. But Aaron Rodgers had a good game: 261 yards, two touchdowns. Devonte Adams go off: 12 receptions, 132 yards. Unreal. Aaron Jones, another good game. And uh, listen, Garoppolo, okay. I mean, just a mech game. Uh, Everyone knows he's not the future. It's Trey Lance. He came in for that little rushing touchdown, spiced up the crowd a little bit. And uh, listen, good for San Francisco after being down 17-0. They came back into that game. They weren't out of it. They they competed to the end. Um, So San Francisco is still going to be a threat this year. Good game for them. But Green Bay is basically in a walk away with this division because Minnesota, they're one and two. They might be able to score, but they're one and two. Chicago, listen, if you don't have an offensive line, you're making field scramble. I don't see you being in playoff contention, even though you made it last year. And then uh, the the Lions aren't going to make it. We all know that. So we only have 15 minutes here, so I'm trying to speed this up. So Eagles-Cowboys tonight, I'll be quick. Cowboys are going to win, but I will say this about Dallas. Their win against the Chargers two weeks ago looks so much better now with the with the Chargers going in and beating the Chiefs because they shut down Herbert. They didn't shut him down 
yards-wise, but Herbert only had a touchdown compared to four against the Chiefs, and he was sacked twice against the Cowboys. He wasn't sacked once against the Chiefs. So credit to the Dallas Cowboys, and I hate saying that. It's like poison coming out of my mouth, but good for them. They had a good game against the Chargers, and it looks like a much better win for them. So really quickly, Jacob, I'll let you talk about the uh, the Raiders-Dolphins game. Listen, in a season where you lose to a, you, you, you're competing in a game that maybe even you could probably admit you're going into it like, well, Raiders are 2-0, and they got all these weapons, they're probably going to win, and then you pull it close, you get so close, tie the game right at the end, and then you lose at the end. So it's a heartbreaking loss for them. Dolphins are probably done for the year. I mean, sadly, because of what the AFC is doing. You don't think so? True. Yeah, well, I've heard that, but with, with the two-week time, because uh, I've heard four weeks of rehab usually for the ribs, so that might be uh, big for the Dolphins to get him back in a few weeks. But, uh, yeah, you were talking about Derek Carr, 386 yards. I mean, Jesus Christ. And uh, he's the only QB in the league with 300-plus passing yards in every game, and they're 3-0. and So are the Denver Broncos. The Chargers are 2-1. and Chiefs are 1-2. and This is going to be a really, really good division uh, to watch for the rest of the year. Uh, Got to give credit to Peyton Barber, too, 111 yards on the ground. Uh, and then Edwards coming out. of last two weeks, Edwards, he's been more used than Darren Waller, which is kind of annoying me because I got Waller in fantasy. But uh, good for him. Ruggs having a better year. Renfro having a good year. Uh, so there's actually a lot of weapons in Vegas. A lot of people don't usually associate Vegas with weapons. They've got a lot. And, and with J- Josh Jacobs out, 
to have a guy like Peyton Barber come in, not even Kenyon Drake, who himself, he had 57 total yards, but you have Peyton Barber and then Josh Jacobs coming back. They, they really do have a stacked offense, so good for the Raiders. And they were also 8 for 15 on third down. So uh, I actually skipped the Rams-Bucks game. I, am, uh, I can't – it was. It absolutely was. Yeah, no, and, and Stafford was fantastic. 343 yards, four TDs. Deshaun Jackson, when I saw him make his first catch, I'm like, he's not retired? Are you kidding me? And he has 120 yards and a TD. Cooper Cup, 96 yards, two TDs. The other two games for him, 108 and 163 yards. He's basically guaranteed for 100 a week. Amazing. Great, great player in Cooper Cup. Uh, then Tom Brady, elite runner. I'm just kidding, but he was the lead rusher for the Bucks this week with 14 rushing yards. If that tells you anything, man, McVay going in saying, hey, if we shut down the run game, we might win this thing. And the streak for the Rams is still true. They're now 40-0 and after leading after the first half. So pretty crazy stat uh, for the L.A. Rams. They were also 10 for 15 on third down. The Bucks were 6 for 13. The Bucks had more yards in the game, but they also had more plays. But I think this was the real separation. The Bucks had seven penalties, and the Rams only had one, and their one penalty was for four yards. So you look at that, the Rams basically weren't penalized. And so if you shut down the run, if you're clean, you're going to win football games. And when you got your quarterback throwing for four TDs and almost 400 yards, that's what's going to happen. So good job for them, but still, Tom Brady, 430 yards, a touchdown. He's still the GOAT, and uh, he's going to have a hell of a game this weekend to play. So the next game's up, Eagles-Cowboys. I think I just said that. And then uh, Jay, uh, excuse me, the Jags and Bengals on Thursday night. I think we can safely assume Bengals have that one pretty wrapped up after their performance against the Steelers this week. Joe Burrow against Trevor Lawrence in the NFL for the first time. And uh, so let's go. I'm going to do this very quickly. Uh, NFL picks for week four. So I'm going to go through this really just saying the winner. Here we go. Washington and the Falcons. I'm going to go Falcons. Texans, Bills. I got Bills. Everyone's going to say that. Lions, Bears. I'm going to go Lions. I think Jared Goff, with uh, the help he has on offensive line, even though it's very little, um, I think they're going to win the game. And they're gritty, like we were talking about earlier, Jacob. They're gritty. They played the Ravens tight. And with that O-line for the Bears, I don't know what to think with them. So at least Goff is seasoned, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, Panthers, Cowboys. Uh, Listen, Dallas is going to win tonight. I think they're going to beat Carolina without CMC. But don't underestimate Carolina. It will be a close game. Colts-Dolphins, I actually think that the Dolphins are going to win. It's tough to say that a team like the Colts with the roster that they have are going to be 0-4. But I like what Brissett did against the Raiders. We'll see. And I like Dolphins as the home team. We will see. It's going to be a very close game. And the Dolphins are favored at 1.5. Browns-Vikings, this game scares me. And you know what? I'm going to go upset. I'm going to say Vikings are going to win this game. Reason why, it's in Minnesota, number two. Vikings have been scoring. I don't know what to expect from Baker with the touchdowns. Like I said, you go in these last two weeks, I want to see him with a game like Herbert, with a game like Stafford. And look what though Herbert did it against the Chiefs, and then Stafford did it against the Bucks. Baker didn't do it against the Texans, and he didn't do it against the uh, against uh, who he played this week. I uh, just escaped my mind. Oh, the Bears. He didn't do it against those teams. So I need Baker to have a big game. And I don't know if he can do it. So we'll see. And the line is only minus one Cleveland. Uh, Giants, Saints, Saints, Titans, Jets, Titans. Don't have to deliberate. Chiefs, Eagles, Chiefs, uh, Cardinals, Rams. Now, this is going to be a really good game. I like this game a lot. 
Uh, I think the Rams will win, but I actually think this is a perfectly scheduled game for the Arizona Cardinals, and here's why. Um, I like that the first time that they're playing the Rams is going to be on the road because they're going to be able to play the Rams, they'll get their loss in against them, and they'll be able to say, okay, what did we do wrong? And then they'll be able to play them when they're all ready at home. And I actually like that dynamic to say, okay, Kyler can figure them out this time, maybe play them close. You're probably not going to win on the road first time against that type of team coming off a Bucks win. But then, hey, we know what to do now. We know what we did wrong. Maybe you can beat them game two at home. So I actually like the way that it was scheduled for them. But I do think the Rams will win. Seahawks, Niners. Uh, Niners, I like how they played against the Packers. Ravens, Broncos. Sorry, Jake, I'm going with the Broncos. They've been playing well. I like their two running backs. Teddy is steady. That rhymed unintentionally. Uh, and the Ravens, they're struggling a little bit. They you know, they barely beat the Lions. I think it is misleading because of Hollywood's drop passes. It probably would have been a blowout if not for that. But I need to see it from Baltimore quickly. And Denver is favored. Steelers, Packers, Packers. And then this is the game of the week, man. Uh, even though it's not going to be close, Bucks, Pats, Bucks. I mean, excuse me, not Bucks. Brady's return to New England. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm going to read Bill Belichick's quote this morning about it. Uh, he said, Belichick tells us he doesn't, and this is a tweet from Michael Girardi. He uh, works for the NFL Network. He said, Belichick tells us he doesn't want to rehash the dynamics of Brady's departure, has, quote, so much appreciation, quote, for Tom and all he accomplished here in New England. So he doesn't want drama. Tom doesn't want drama. Gronk doesn't want drama. That's one thing. Even though Tom's gone off to Tampa and he's having all his fun, one thing that those three all share, they don't like drama. They shut it down. Tom just wants to go in there, play a football game, and leave. But it's also cool because Tom, he might set his record in front of Pats fans, which Brady left. He still loves New England. He still loves those people. Those fans still love him. So even though the, the Bucks are probably going to be beating the bricks off the Pats, that, that crowd's going to love seeing him pass that record. And that's something they followed him for 20 years. That's going to be awesome for them to see. So I didn't plan on this show. We started 10 minutes late. We would have had a little bit more time for baseball. And Jacob, I would have loved to talk about you, but we, we have six minutes here. So I'm going to speed through baseball. It's my favorite sport. I got to it late. I'm sorry, guys. But we have six minutes here left in the show. So I'm a Yankee fan. I'm very vocal on Twitter about that. Jacob, you're wearing your Yankee jersey. I appreciate you for that. Yankees just went in and they swept the Red Sox. I didn't think it was going to happen. I have been, listen, on Twitter all year, I've been on there saying, and I've been saying this since May, the New York Yankees, if they don't make the playoffs, if they lose in the playoffs, they got to tear the whole thing down. I'm sorry. You cannot run it back if you go in the playoffs and you lose with this group. I'm sorry. And what I mean by running it back is not, Trade Aaron Judge, trade Stanton, G. Cole, buy him out, blah, blah, blah. You can't do that stuff, okay? But what you can do is revamp the infield, right? Voight, Sia, Geo, Sia, Glaber, buy. You know, get those guys. Gary Sanchez, been nice uh, with the project. You're hitting 206. I'm tired of it. Those types of guys, Aaron Hicks, find a way to get rid of him. Brett Gardner, go retire. That's what I mean by rebuilding a little bit. Right. Jamison Tyone, don't bring him back. Corey Kluber, bye. Bring up your young guys. That's what I mean, kind of, if the Yankees miss. And in an ideal world, buy Byron Cashman. The problem with that is who can replace Brian Cashman? Does Hal have the cojones to even fire Brian Cashman? Um, and listen, a lot of Yankee fans are all up into Boone about this is Boone's fault. 
I think he's at fault to a degree. He's this SoCal, laid-back attitude. Oh, everything's going to be fine. Oh, Joey Gallo went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. I loved his cut on 0-2, though. He, oh, I love that. Listen, that's definitely at fault for why the Yankees are in the position that they're in. But he's Brian Cashman's puppet. Brian Cashman made this team. This is all Cashman. You can't blame it on Boone for a team that was assembled by, by Brian Cashman. Maybe the mindset and everything like that. But Brian Cashman is the one telling Aaron Boone, hey, G. Stanton, he needs his day off. He needs his two days off in the middle of the week in an important game. Aaron Judge needs his rest day in the middle of the week. We don't care about hot and cold. We only care about stats. We don't care about bunting. We don't care about moving runners over. We don't care about sack flies. We're launch angle, Wobo, way to drunk created plus, fangrafts.com. That's how we run our baseball team. Listen, you can't blame you can't blame Boone for that. But three minutes here, I'm gonna go really fast into what teams need to do in this final week. So Rays clinched the AL East back to back for them. This time it's legit because it was a full season. Good for them. Absolute respect to them. Brandon Lau. 34 home runs, 88 RBIs. Austin Meadows, 26 home runs, 103 RBIs. Randy, I heard from all these people, including Adiel, he's the best player on the planet after last season. Oh, well, this year, only 273, 19 home runs, 68 RBIs. I don't want to hear it. I literally, if Adiel's listening right now, CJ Uri, Steve Cashin, everyone in that chat telling me that Randy was a better player than Judge and Stanton the entire offseason making a blood rush to my brain for how pissed I was every time they said that, you're all wrong. There you go. Okay. But what I can respect from the Rays, Shane McClanahan, Luis Patino, now they're calling up Shane Boz, Ryan Yarbrough. Listen, man, you see Tyler Glasnow go down. Blake Snell traded. Charlie Morton gone. And somehow they whip pitchers out of their butt all the time. They got pitchers coming from everywhere. It's insane. And uh, you got to give it to them. They call up Wander Franco, something that they usually don't do. They like their service time, calling up a 20-year-old and starting that clock. That's something the Rays usually don't do. And they did it with him, they did it with Shane Boz, and they did it with Shane McClanahan. I give it to them, man. And that bullpen, Andrew Kittredge, Colin McHugh, Tyler Anderson's back, Josh Fleming, Pete Fairbanks, they've got guys up the butt. And that's with Colin Poche, Chaz Rowe, out for the year. And they've still got a bullpen where every inning you've got a guy that can strike you out. They traded Diego Castillo, for crying out loud. So all these guys that have been key contributors, and they just keep replacing them with other guys, amazing bullpen construction. And who can forget, Nelson Cruz is in there as well. Now, how is the wild card race looking in the American League? The Yankees are up by one game over Boston, but they go to Toronto Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on the road, the Blue Jays are back one game of the Boston Red Sox, who are in the number two wildcard spot. Seattle's two back of the number two. Oakland's three back. Now, Seattle and Oakland are playing each other for the next three days. One of those teams is going to eliminate the other in those three games. So one of those teams bye in three days. Now, I also think they're bye-bye in general because the Blue Jays are ahead of them, Boston's ahead of them, but we'll give them credit where credit's due. Now, what do I think is going to happen with the Yankees? You have Tyone versus Ryu. Garrett Cole versus Barrios, Kluber versus Robbie Ray in the three pitching matchups. The Yankees, I got to say, they're not favored in the Kluber game. They're not favored in the Tyone game. They might drop two out of three. Boston might leapfrog them. What's really unfair about this is, and not unfair, it's a wrong word, but Boston gets Baltimore and the Washington Nationals, who might be the two worst teams in Major League Baseball, for their final six games. 
So Boston might get that number one wild card spot just because they might be 6-0. and And so that's a problem for the Yankees. So if you drop two out of three to the Toronto Blue Jays, you've got, um, excuse me, you've got um, the Blue Jays up your butt, right? And, and so they're in the, in the, in the uh, scenario here. Um, so let me go through this, but the Blue Jays got to give credit where credit's due here. Marcus Semien tied most home runs in a single season by a second baseman ever. 43 home runs from Marcus Semien. Insane. Vlad Jr., 315, 46 bombs, 105 ribbies. Guriel Jr., George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, man, 302, 31, and 112. Bo Bichette, 26 and 98 with 291 average, 23 stolen bases. Amazing years. And then, by the way, Yankees had eight losses to the Orioles this year. They're eight games back of the Rays. Imagine what would have happened if even you take back half of them. Who knows? Now, rest of the league. White Sox clinched the Central. Houston basically has the West unlocked. Like I said, Oakland and Seattle face each other. One will theoretically eliminate the other. Oakland gets Houston after Seattle. This also impacts it as well. Houston can go into Oakland and win two out of three. Maybe that's helped Seattle because Seattle gets the Angels after they play Oakland. So not necessarily over, but I think those two teams are out. But respect to Seattle, man. Staying in it till the end. A team that hasn't made the playoffs in God knows how long. In the National League, Brewers clinch the NL Central. The Giants currently up two on the Dodgers. And what's funny is the two teams in the league with 100 wins, one's a wildcard team and one's the defending World Series champion. Unreal. The Cardinals have won 16 straight. They have the second wildcard unlocked. Adam Wainwright, 40 years old, 200 innings this year, 3.05 ERA. The Giants are going to get the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Padres this week. The Dodgers get the Padres and the Brewers. If you're a betting man, Giants are probably going to win the division. Dodgers will get the wildcard game against the Cardinals. The division where it's contested is the Braves and the Phillies in the NL East. The Braves have a two-and-a-half game lead on the Phillies, but Braves-Phillies face each other this week. Zach Wheeler versus Charlie Morton, then Aaron Nola versus Max Fried, then Kyle Gibson versus Ian Anderson. This is, listen, I think the Phillies are favored. I'd take the Phillies really in all three of these pitching matchups. With the way Gibson's been pitching lately, Nola's had a better year. Wheeler's been one of the best pitchers in the NL, period. I, I, I think the Phillies are going to win two out of three. And then what's really big about this, the Braves get the Mets after this series, but the Phillies get the Marlins. You could very well see Phillies take two out of three from the Braves and then sweep Miami to end the year. And if you're looking for MVP in the NL, I'm going Bryce Harper. 313, 34, and 82. OPS over 1,000, 434 OBP, 13 steals. Hell of a year. Worth the contract. Very rare, by the way, for Bryce Harper. And, okay, I know I'm two minutes over. This is going to end the show here. But uh, this is the last thing I'll say. And this I'm going to carry into next week. And I'll say it after the season. The fact that the San Diego Padres did not make the playoffs makes A.J. Preller look like the biggest clown in Major League Baseball, GM of the San Diego Padres. This is now twice that he has uh, put together, quote-unquote, super teams, and they don't even make the playoffs. I'll talk about that more next week. We'll talk about the NFL next week. We'll talk about FAU against FIU next week. All that coming next week, college football, everything that we did this week next week and more same time 12 o'clock on monday you can also check out the replay if you didn't get to catch the first part of this show it's going to be on apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, spotify and youtube just look up strictly sports on podcasts look up strictly sports productions on youtube or you can follow me on twitter at strictly sports p facebook and instagram at strictly sports productions thank you jacob kelly for coming in here first show today nice job and you'll be seeing him with his own solo show later this semester he'll be on the call everyone tune in shula bowl 3 30 this saturday 
FAU hosting FIU Jacob Kelly on the call. We'll have that for you guys on FAUOwlRadio.com. So thank you guys for listening. It was awesome doing this again here in the studio. I'm Jacob Brown, and we will see you next week.